Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. When I was uh, growing up, there was a kid's show called Lamb Chops Play Along. Any of you remember that show, Lamb Chops Play Along? It had uh, a woman with a sock puppet kind of, uh, that was a lamb. What? Sherry Lewis. Sherry Lewis. Uh, and uh, it's a sweet, a sweet show. Uh, and it's, uh, its theme song uh, was called The Song That Doesn't End. Uh, because it was a song that didn't end. It just kept going, kept going on and on. I could start singing it. You'll have it in your head for the rest of the day. You probably already do, and apologies for that. Uh, it's a song that doesn't end. But it turns out that a song that doesn't end is not actually a song. My friend and drumming teacher, some of you know, Chris Parker, once taught me a lesson about music that's always stayed with me. Music, he said, is sound organized in time. Music is sound organized in time. In other words, sound without time is just noise. And time without sound is silence. But when sound is organized in time, that's when it becomes something meaningful and beautiful. Music, therefore, is only music if it has a beginning as well as an end. There's no song that does not end. For if it did not end, it would not be a song. Today is about endings. This day on the Jewish calendar is known as Shini Atzeret. The strange thing about Shini Atzeret is that no one knows exactly what it is. Of course, the Torah commands us to celebrate this holiday. But the text that we read just a few moments ago is notoriously short on details. Torah doesn't even dedicate a single full verse to the holiday. Instead, it simply teaches that immediately after the seven biblically prescribed days of Sukkot, an additional day should be set aside as sacred with its own attendant sacrifice to be offered at the temple. Throughout the ages, our sages have pondered and puzzled over this holiday, debating endlessly its meaning and significance. Is it part of Sukkot or its own holiday? If it's part of Sukkot, then why is it mentioned separately? Why does it have its own sacrifice? If it's not part of Sukkot, then why refer to it as the eighth day, which implies a direct connection to Sukkot? Even the word that the Torah uses for the holiday, atzeret, is is mysterious. No one knows exactly what it means. Rabbinic tradition, in the end, basically responds with a shrug emoji. We don't know what shini atzeret is, but we know we must observe it. So they refer to it by its own unique name, shmini atzeret, but call it zman simchatenu, the season of our rejoicing, which is the same epithet they use for Sukkot. Because it might be part of Sukkot, the rabbis say we should err on the side of caution and eat in the sukkah on Shemini But because it might not still be Sukkot, 
They say we should err on the side of caution and not recite the blessing for dwelling in the sukkah. Lest by reciting an unnecessary blessing, we inadvertently take God's name in vain. It's bizarre. Some commentators argue that Shmini Atzeret is, as my friend, contemporary commentator Emily Yeager color, colorfully puts it, like a private after party. One of the possible meanings for Atsar, the Hebrew root of the word Atzeret, is to hold back or to detain. Picking up on this definition, Rashi imagines God as a king who throws a large banquet. After all the other guests start to leave, the king urges his beloved children to stay one more day. Too painful is the thought of parting with them. Following the lengthy and exhausting week-long rager that is Sukkot, which is, according to some traditions, meant to be a holiday for all humanity, God asks us, the Jewish people, his most cherished guests, linger just a little longer. To be sure, there is something quite heartwarming about envisioning God as longing for intimacy with God's children. However, I suspect the true meaning of Shmini Atzeret may be precisely the opposite of this. That the holiday is actually about ending the party, not keeping it going. After all, another definition of Atzar is to stop. On modern Israeli roads, for example, cars know when to stop when they see a red sign with the word Atsur emblazoned on it. Or at least they would, in theory, if Israelis actually considered such signs more than mere suggestions. <laughs> Perhaps then, God is less like a king who urges his beloved children to remain at the banquet for one more day. And more like Josephine turning on the social hall lights to not so subtly signal that she wants us to clear out at the end of a long night. <laughs> Perhaps, in other words, Shmini Atzeret is God's way of saying, party's over, friends. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. This is precisely what happens in today's Haftar from the biblical book of Kings. The story is set immediately following the construction of the first temple, which Solomon, son of David, arguably the greatest of the kings of ancient Israel, commissioned to be built atop Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. After the temple is built, King Solomon invites the entire kingdom to Jerusalem to celebrate its consecration. The party lasts through Sukkot. And then on the eighth day, meaning the day immediately following Sukkot, Solomon sent the people away. Shilach Ata'am. The eighth day, in other words, is when the king officially ends the celebration, telling everyone to pack up and go home. The king doesn't keep the party going. Quite the contrary, the eighth day is when the king proclaims that the party's over. What's noteworthy, however, is that neither the people nor the king are sad about the end of the celebration. When King Solomon tells them to leave, the people bid the king goodbye and go to their homes joyful and glad of heart. Why would the party's conclusion 
be a cause for joy rather than sadness. Because just as sound can only be music if it has an ending, an endless experience cannot be joyful. As Rabbi David Wolpe writes, only that is precious which passes away, only that is priceless which will not last forever. The recent television series, The Good Place, which ended in 2020, illustrated this idea perfectly. Briefly, The Good Place followed the journey of four unlikely friends through the afterlife. In the last season, when the friends finally make it to the actual good place, the show's euphemism for heaven, they are surprised to discover that the inhabitants are all miserable. They wonder, how can this be? How can souls be sad in a realm overflowing with endless delights? Eventually, they discover that it is precisely because the delights are endless that they are sooner or later rendered utterly joyless. When everything is always amazing, nothing really is. Paradoxically then, true joy can only be experienced if it comes to an end. And while we may be saddened by the conclusion of any enjoyable experience, whether that be an incredible party, a beautiful piece of music, a delicious meal, tender relationship with a dear friend or a loved one, a life, we might take some comfort in recognizing that it is the very fact of its ending which made the experience enjoyable in the first place. The Sukkot festival is known in our tradition as Zman Simchatim, the season of our joy. We're commanded to rejoice on Sukkot. Indeed, as the Torah says, we are to have nothing but joy. Beyond this, Sukkot is the culmination of a nearly month-long High Holy Day celebration, a season that can be physically and emotionally taxing, but simultaneously also, if you're doing it right, saturated with deep meaning, extraordinary beauty, and joyful exaltation. We may wish this holiday season would never end. That we could, as the psalmist puts it in the passage we recite twice daily during this period, dwell in the infinite's house all the days of my life. But the truth is that the heights of the high holy days and the joy of Zman Simchatein can't last forever. If they were unending, they would in fact be rendered flat and dull. In order for these days to be high and holy, in order for our festival days to be joyous, they must end. So we have Shmini Atzeret, the period at the end of this long sentence, the silence at the end of the symphony. And while the end may be sad, or even for some of us, a relief, our tradition also calls Shmini Atzeret Zman Simchatenu, the season of our joy, because if the end is what makes joy possible to begin with, then the end itself is in some important sense joyous. Perhaps it's for this reason that according to tradition, we recite Yizkur during Shmini Atzeret, 
calling to mind the memory of departed loved ones on this day in particular. There's profound comfort, perhaps even joy, to be discovered in the symbolism of Shemini Atzeret. If endings render meaningful all that precedes them, then the fact that our loved ones' lives have come to an end is precisely, even if counterintuitive, what made them so special in the first place. If our loved ones lived forever, their time with us would be less precious. Their impact upon us would be less pronounced. But Shemini Atzeret, we fondly recall sing, celebrate the songs our ancestors composed with their lives. Like all beautiful music, we never want those songs to end. But on this festival, that is at its core about endings, we remember that the end is what makes music music in the first place. Let us listen then to the songs of our loved ones on this day. Let us commit them to memory. Let those songs stir our souls and stay in our hearts. Let those songs move us to make our own beautiful music. For our loved ones shared the music of their lives with us so that we might make our own. And as we conclude these high holy days by singing the songs of our lost loved ones, let each and every one of us Come understand that all life, like all music, must end, including, of course, our own. Let us ask ourselves, what will the music of our lives be? What notes will we write on the staff? What will the song sound like when it's all finished? Only when we are mindful of the fact that our lives are finite, can we truly become the composers of the great songs of our lives? May the music and the memory of our ancestors endure as a source of inspiration and blessing. May their souls and their songs be bound up in the bonds of everlasting life. And may this day inspire us to make beautiful music our precious and passive lives. This has been the TBE Richmond Podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all. 